So Ramp is about relationships. It's about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And I think this is really big because when we teach on finances, the idea of staying out of the gutters, not having those major financial issues, if you can just stay out of the gutters with your finances and with your life as a whole, it'll set you up for a whole lot more success. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in the studio today with us is Christopher Massimo. Christopher is a friend of mine. He's a licensed therapist who specializes in working with adolescents and young adults. He's a business owner at Massimo Motivation, where he does mental training, fitness and athletic coaching, and he does public speaking. And so Chris has developed this incredible system or structure that he calls RAMP. And it gives lifelong guidelines to people's lives. And as Chris and I were talking a couple weeks ago, I saw that it's a perfect fit for what we do inside of getting money right, because the money ends up amplifying these guidelines. It either makes it bigger or it makes it more problematic. So Chris is going to walk us a little bit through the system and the structure today and share how it relates to our finances. Chris, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit of your history, how you got here and where Ramp came from and just how this has been a big part of your life. Okay. I'll, I'll try to keep it short because it's a long story. But when I was five, I was diagnosed with ADHD, bipolar, conduct disorder, and oppositional defiant disorder. Now, at the time, you could have both oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. No longer the case, but at the time, I had both. Between five and 15, I was in therapy, so 10 years there. Uh, between five and about 11 years old, I was inpatient hospital. I stayed in inpatient hospitals 11 times, the longest of which was a three-month stay in Austin, Texas, when I was, I think I was in third grade or fourth grade. Um, I was also on medication between five and 18, so 13 years of medication. At one point, taking about 11, 12, 12 pills a day, you know, six in the morning, go to the nurse, take one in the afternoon, six at night, just to keep myself from being overly aggressive and angry. We'll call it that. We'll keep it simple, right? So very early on, I knew I was a part of mental health. I was a part of psychology. I was the person who was on the couch for a long period of time. So I knew I wanted to be in that space. Well, that led to undergrad psychology at Baylor and then grad school at Sam Houston State. And during my time at Sam Houston State, I was in a health and exercise psychology research lab. And it was there that I found the themes of A, M, and P of RAMP, autonomy, mastery and purpose and i saw those themes and i said there's got to be something you can do with that that's that's sprinkled across all the literature and at the time i was thinking of it only through the lens of an athlete but the more i started unpacking it the more i realized that it was applicable to basically any other goal now at baylor i was in a social psychology research lab which is where i added r for relationships to the model so you have relationships autonomy mastery and purpose now what began as a pursuit to help athletes through this model, through this lens, teaching coaches how to engage with their players and players with each other, kind of unraveled into this pursuit of helping everybody with basically any goal that they have, including finances, right? So ramp serves, I like to call it uh, basically like bumper lanes in a bowling alley. So it serves as these bumper lanes to keep you on track. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to hit a strike every time, but it does mean if you follow these four pillars, if you have these things right in your life, you're going to hit something. You're going to continue to make progress, and with enough time, you'll achieve what you're looking to achieve. So that's kind of how, you know, RAMP was created. 
through my experience and then through some of the themes that I found in the literature. I love that. So ramp is about relationships. It's about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And I think this is really big because when we teach on finances, the idea of staying out of the gutters, not having those major financial issues, if you can just stay out of the gutters with your finances and with your life as a whole, it'll set you up for a whole lot more success. So, uh, I, you know, we, we talk about insurance to protect and, you know, transfer risk. We talk about the importance of making educated purchasing decisions and really just having a healthy outlook on life. And so that's why I'm excited to see how ramp, how important it is that we look at our relationships so we understand how we interact and how autonomous we are or we aren't, and then look at mastering our skills, discovering our purpose, which we're all about on the show. So I think this is going to be a really cool framework for people as they begin to dig in. I do as well. And on that note, I'm an avid listener of the podcast. Uh, One of the things you guys have talked about is not getting upside down in your finances. There was an episode on uh, purchasing a car where you guys talked about not getting upside down. And that's that's where ramp comes in is it makes sure that you don't flip on your side, right? So just quickly, I want to talk about the foundational elements of ramp before we go into the individual pillars. So one of them is to create shared language. So ramp is great in a family system because you have people of different uh, ages, you have people of different seasons of life, all living in one ecosystem in one house, right? So one of the problems you have in a therapy setting is getting all these people to communicate to each other in a way that makes sense to everybody, right? How do I get into the mind of my 15-year-old daughter when I haven't been 15 for 20 years? Mm -hmm. Um, It becomes difficult because as your brain develops, you think differently than than when you used to be 15 years old. I mean, it's pretty natural. So we recreate a new cycle of communication through RAMP where the 15-year-old and the mom or the dad can speak the same verbiage, right? So when I say, hey, how's your R doing? You know what that means. You know the three types of relationships. You know some of the skills through M that we're going to give you for R, and you guys can kind of shortcut or spark note your way to a conversation, right? So it's easy to engage in real time. It, to me, is considered a solution-focused modality, so it's quick. It doesn't take a clinician to diagnose you. It doesn't take some type of testing. It's, hey, we're dealing with something in real time. We can talk about this because we speak the same language now. Um, finances can and do fuel each pillar. I've listened to your show. There's a reason why. I truly believe in your message that your finances fuels your true life purpose. But there are goals along the way that also fuel the true life's purpose, right? So so ramp in combination with your finances fuels that purpose because ramp keeps you on the path and finances serve as kind of fuel. And so you have to understand that, that finances do impact each of these. And then goals are often unnecessary because our efforts lack structure. And you guys have broken down on many different occasions the different ways to write out and portray your goals so that they're achievable and accomplishable. That The ramp is a way to do that. Yeah, and we see that all the time that goals are often unsuccessful because they don't have that structure in place. And so if somebody will throw a big, hairy, audacious goal on the wall and say, this is what I want to do, but they have no structure in place to get there. And that kind of goes back to episode 98 and 99, where we talk about some of the roots that lead to the fruit. And some people say, oh, well, I have a goal. So that's a root that's going to cause me to be successful. No, the goal isn't a root. The goal is a fruit. You're going to be able to get there, but you've got to have some systems in place. So this whole ramp idea is really a structural framework for your life that helps you have shared language. I love because that's the biggest issue inside of 
Every marriage, every relationship is common language, unified goals and purpose. How do we speak the same language so that we're going to the same place together? And so that's why I think this is a lot of fun to talk about ramp and look at our relationships, look at our autonomy, look at our mastery and the purpose that we've got. Chris, do me a favor and get into some of these acronyms that you're using, RAMP, R-A-M-P, and really define each one of these so that as we're talking about this, as the listeners are listening, they can come back and understand what we're talking about. So if you could break it down just a little bit before we dive into some of the specifics. Sure, absolutely. So so there's no particular order. It is not one of those things where you have to go R to A to M to B. Uh, based on the goal and situation that you have, one of them is going to be more predominant than the other. So keep that in mind. But R is for relationships. So there are three primary types of relationships I like to talk about. Relationships with self, relationships with others, and relationships with the world. And all three of those bleed into one another. We can get into some of the skills on another time, maybe if we if we have the time to do that. But essentially what you're looking for there is to make sure that your relationships in any given time are as healthy as they can be, especially the ones related to whatever goal you're plugging into the model. Okay. A is autonomy. You can think of this as being independent. So am I doing my part? I like to say to my couples, your job is your job, meaning you're going to consistently sit on my couch and say the other person's doing that thing wrong until we can reverse that and say, what can I do right? And when you have two people doing things right, things get done and they get done well. So autonomy is asking yourself, am I doing my job? Am I doing my part? Am I doing this without somebody telling me to do it? Mastery is skills. So mastery would be listening to this podcast. You know, if I want to learn about finances, I'm going to turn on David and Leo's podcast on my way to work, which I do. I've listened to like 80% of the podcast. I'm going to turn that on and I'm going to learn that thing if I'm trying to achieve financial freedom to pursue my true life's purpose. And then there's purpose. And I think of purpose as a vehicle. So you have values, you have passion, and you have purpose. Values are kind of like the gears of the car, the structure of the car. There's two types. There's where you find value and what value you bring personality, where do you feel fulfilled, making sure you have those two pieces set first. And then they're fueled, the actual fuel itself, by your passion. And your passion changes throughout time. Right now, I'm actually looking at law school and combining law with psychology. My passion for law, it's somewhat been there, but not really pursuing it because that's the new fire underneath my belly, right? Or in my belly. And then purpose, you want to think of that as a city, not a state too big, not a street too small. You want to think of that as something in your life, for me, that would be mental and physical health that you are trying to achieve. I want people to find better mental and physical health. Um, So you break down those four pieces. You make sure those things are working together harmoniously, and you get better outcomes. Well, that sounds really good, Chris. Let's dive into each one of these now more specifically. And if you could use some examples to help us, that would really be great. So let's start with the relationship. Okay, sure. So relationships, like I said, there's three types relationship with self, relationship with others, and relationship with the world. Uh, I had a client 2017. I had a client who was dealing with, uh, they were an athlete, they still are an athlete. They were dealing with some family problems at home. They came to me, uh, the individual went to a, a summer camp at Notre Dame to perform in front of coaches and scouts. Didn't do as well as they thought they would. And they proceeded to take a knife back to the dormitory and contemplated suicide that night. So they called their parents, their parents talked them down, they got them in with me. The natural thing in that instance is to say, okay, we have to account for suicide ideation, which we do and we did. But then I think people lose sight of the indirect influences that are also causing that individual to 
take that next step? What got him from I dropped a football to I'm going to take a knife to my dorm? And we found that it was a relationship with others and a relationship with self, specifically the father in that situation. So we worked on the, the father-son relationship in that case, and it helped to heal the roots of his problems. Uh, he's now a successful Division One football player. Um, obviously can't say who he is, but we had to figure out which of his pillars was wrong in that instance and mend it and heal it. And what you'll find is that when you, when you heal that father-son relationship, he became more autonomous because he wasn't worried about what dad was thinking. He, he began thinking for himself, scheduling his own appointments, things of that nature. He garnished more from what coaches were giving him in terms of mastery because he was more present. He wasn't worried about going home. And he was able to facilitate his purpose when it comes to football, which was at the time he was seeking a Division One scholarship and he eventually got it. Uh, so that's that's an easy example of how our relationships bleed into our goals. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of us get focused in on mastery in life or in purpose. And in this scenario, his purpose of going and playing D1 football and the mastery of the skills it took to get there, that was so on the forefront that people weren't looking at the underlying relationships that can allow somebody to actually achieve those mastery skills and and to help have healthy relationships that allow somebody to be autonomous and not always connected to their parents forever or codependent on someone else. And so what I love about this is that this framework really broadens the horizon. It, it can help you say, hey, I know that you're focused on mastery. I see it every day. I see it in your grades. I see it in your football performance or your, uh, you know, whatever performance. But really, how's your relationships? How, how is your, not just your mastery, but how, how are you doing autonomously? How are you able to, to go out into the world yourself? How are you able to fulfill your passion and your purpose? So I think it's cool because it gives you this great language for really archaeologically digging through and pulling out those roots. So I think it's a neat thing. How would you break down the difference under the relationships category? You've got self, you've got others, and then you've got the world. Sure. What's the difference between the others and the world? And how does that look? Great question. So self, self is going to be self-esteem, self-efficacy, uh, where I position myself in my mind. You see this a lot with uh, when, you, when you're a child, most of your reality is structured by what your parents tell you. You know, Santa Claus is real, so Santa Claus is real because mommy and daddy told you Santa Claus is real. But then you get to a certain level of thinking uh, where your reality is based primarily on your peers. They help to shape the hierarchy of where you fit intellectually, athletically, and so on and so forth. You know, um, So relationship with self is where do I position myself? How do I think of myself? Relationship with others is the most common one that people think of, which is your spouses, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your, your parents, your friends. Relationship with the world is a viewpoint. It's kind of like a philosophy of how you see your place within the world. So am I somebody who just doesn't deserve to exist? Well, that's a really bad relationship with the world because you don't think you have anything to give it. Um, am I somebody who says my relationship with the world is destined to be through mental and physical health like me? Mm -hmm. Then I have a very healthy relationship pursuing those two things, but maybe I wouldn't have a healthy relationship pursuing cars, right? So making sure that those three are right, because if I position myself so relationship with self amongst my peers as less than then i'm going to i'm going to like self fulfill that prophecy in my relationships with others and then as i self fulfill those prophecies with my relationship with others then i see myself within the world as worthless and it just cycles through over and over and over and over again it just reinforces it because now you're believing the lie i'm not worth as much as this person is 
and then you go in acting like you're worth less. So you get treated worth less. And you so then you it. believe it. Yeah. Right. So then you're just constantly following in this cycle and letting it be reinforced. That's right. We accept the love we think we deserve, right? And I, I like to put it like this. If if anybody is listening to this and you're not driving, please don't do this if you're driving a car. But if if you're listening to this and you have access to anything, uh, you know, at your desk, grab it and think to yourself, if I drop this, what's going to happen? You're thinking to yourself, it's going to fall. How do you know that, though? How do you know it's going to fall? It's because every single time you've dropped something, it's fallen, never goes up. So my point is, in order to change those, those relationships with ourselves, others in the world, you have to create demonstrations of those things not occurring, not being true, and doing them over and over and over again. So you see that, no, 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 my position within the world isn't worthless because I've proven to myself numerous times that I'm good at math or I'm good at whatever, right? That's really good. So how do you actually, when you're working with someone, how do you help them to have this revelation? Like, what do you start with trying to diagnose where they are? Like, what's the process that you take someone through? With ramp? So when I'm trying to figure out which part of ramp is, is missing, which pillar exactly. is most Yeah, unhealthy. if it's one or two or, or specific part of, let's say, maybe it's relationship with self, that's sure. a real problem. How do you diagnose that? How do you help them to understand that? Great question. So I would say it usually takes four sessions. It doesn't have to take four sessions. A lot of that depends on how quickly they trust you, how much information they dispel to you. Some people are more reserved the first time you meet them. Some right. people give you their life story. So, But I would say usually on average, and the literature supports this, it takes about four sessions to establish a good therapeutic relationship. And that doesn't have to mean actual therapy. It could be mental training. But to establish that a relationship with somebody that you trust in the information that they're giving you. So within four sessions, I can usually get enough background of the family dynamic, enough background of why did you come to see me, enough background of, you know, where's your mind at? How do you think? I'm a CBTer, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. So I think of people as kind of like three doors. You have the way they think, the way they act, and the way they feel. And I figure out how they interact with each of those doors. I watch what they do for four weeks. I get information from the family system on what they do for four weeks. So I have behavioral. I sit with them for four hours, so I get cognitive, the way that they think. And I get information about how they feel. Why did they come here? Were they suicidal at the time? That's a feeling. They were feeling depressed enough to consider taking their life. And I can gather most of that in four sessions. And then I say, okay, based on that, which part can we fix the fastest? Because it's not about, like I said, there's no order. It's about which one can we change first because they'll all change each other indirectly. So if I have a very willing family, we may go relationships first. But if I have a huge barrier there, I'm not going to spend eight sessions dealing with the family first. Maybe I go a different route and I get in contact with a coach for mastery. Maybe that's somebody that they want to listen to. Maybe they can dive into their craft of mastery and use that as a way to vent, if you will, physically through a craft. Uh, so it depends. I would say it usually takes four sessions, but really I'm gathering information finding which one would be the quickest, and then trusting in the process to indirectly influence each other. All right, Chris, so can you tell us, can you give us an example of how this relationship part of the four pillars connects or interacts with money? Give us an example about that. Well, I could probably I could probably give you a ton of examples. Picking <laughs> one's going to be the difficult part, so I'll probably just go with the self-example. That's fine. That's good. So, so growing up, I, I, I struggled financially in terms of, uh, I come from a, a large ecosystem family that has a lot of wealth but my nuclear family didn't didn't have as much money um in a way i think we were kind of considered black sheep don't know that for a fact but that's how i felt 
And so I've had this relationship with money and therefore relationship with self that has been one of wanting to pursue a certain lifestyle uh, for a long period of time. It's something that I'm still struggling with today. And that bleeds into my relationship with others. So my girlfriend and I, we have a budget and a lot of that budget is actually created by the structure that you guys provided. That's the one that we use. Um, and our relationship, she has a different view of finances. She is uh, slightly more on the spending side. I'm slightly more on the conservative saving side. And we've had to work, I've had to work on my self relationship with money in order to meet her where she's at. She's had to work on her relationship with money because she comes from later on in life, a family with a little bit more money. She comes also from a, a middle-class family. It's nothing, nothing crazy, but she is slightly more of a spender, but she's done an amazing job of pulling herself in and myself pushing myself up. Now that's yeah. changed my relationship with the world because I no longer feel the need to have X type of lifestyle. I still want a certain type of lifestyle, but not the same one as I used to. I don't need the extravagance that I once felt like I needed. So then that goes back into relationship with self. Now I feel better about myself because I'm living a life that is closer to that lifestyle yeah. I want. And then it reinforces the relationship with others and at home. And it just it just kind of goes, it's like a train. Um, but yeah, money, money in your relationships, you're gonna find, and this is with my athletes as well, the ones who make money very quickly, the relationships change. So the relationship with self, if we're talking athletes, the relationship with self, is going to become one of not dominance, but I guess ego, you know, you, you come into a lot of money and that's going to reveal for a lot of young people, because I work with a lot of adolescents, young adults, yeah. uh, a piece of themselves that maybe they didn't think was there. Now their relationships with others change because others see them as a money pot or the guy who's going to make it or the girl who's popular. And then their relationship with the world changes because now they see themselves as maybe better than they should. Uh, so money, money really kind of reveals and then reinforces the beliefs you have in those three areas. And I think changing, changing yourself first and then using money to accelerate that process um, is the best way to go. Yeah. Money is always going to be an amplifier. That's right. And so money's just a tool. It's not good or bad it amplifies what is already inside of you. So if you have unhealthy relationships, then you add money to that. Now you've just set those relationships on fire. You've just magnified and amplified that, that fuel of money to pursue and to grow the problems instead of to fix the problems. And so some people will say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I've got a, a problem in relationship. Maybe if I get more money, my relationship will get better. But no, you actually have to work on the relationship. And that starts with relationship with self. What is my self-esteem? How, how do I see myself? How do I look at myself in comparison to the world? How do I, where do I fit in this world? What's my worldview? And if you have an incorrect worldview or an incorrect view of yourself and you add money to that, now you've just, you've created a monster because you can fund all of your bad habits that were built by those underlying issues with how you see yourself and how you see others. Which is a great tie-in. You guys had an episode on marketing and being a good consumer. That's a great tie-in there, right? But I also just want to point out, you, we're all Dave Ramsey fans here. Uh, Dave Ramsey said that 94% of respondents, they did a, a study, said they had great marriages because they discussed their money dreams with their spouse. So it's not about how much you make. It's about this back and forth relationship with other that you have, this communication that you have with them and figuring out what their needs are and then reinforcing your relationship within the world together and relationship with self within the relationship. So it's kind of like relationshipception. 
<laughs> right? It's kind of like, that's what it is. Um, but it's not about the totality of the money. It's never been about the totality of the money. Everybody thinks it's about X number brings me X amount of happiness. Money, I like to say money doesn't bring you happiness. It prevents a lot of unhappiness, though, because you get a roof over your head. You get to spend vacations with your family. You feel like you're providing for your spouse. But it doesn't. there's not this number that you reach, and then relationally, you have better relationships. Like, it just doesn't exist. No, no, it doesn't work that way. All right, so thank you for that. I mean, I think the relational side, at least for, for me, it seems like it's such a key to the financial side. If people could just kind of self-diagnose, at least from the beginning, to say, okay, what is my view of myself? What is my view of others? How do I see myself as I relate to others? And then what is my worldview? How do I think that I fit into this world and what's my purpose? And am I good enough? Because I think so much of that is what people struggle with. And then to consider that the way we feel about that and how we spend is very much connected. And if we start looking at that, then maybe we can make a sense as to why we always overspend, why we're getting into debt, why we make bad financial decisions. So I love that part. Let's dive into the next one. Let's sure. talk about autonomy and sure. how that fits into this. Sure. So again, autonomy is seeking growth and knowledge yourself. It's not needing coach to tell you to be there at 6 a.m. It's not needing spouse to say, hey, pull back on the money. It's you saying, am I doing my job? Every day, am I doing my part? So in terms of finances, there's a lot of ways you can go there. But I would say the very first way you should go is, am I budgeting? Am I tracking my spending? Am I tracking my spending? Not as my spouse tracking her spending. I it's not that. about what she's tracking. It's about <laughs> what I'm good. tracking. Am I doing my part? Am I being autonomous? If I'm investing, you never invest without a plan. You, you, don't go, you don't go all the way in on something you don't understand. So did I do my research on this thing? Did I read enough on this thing? Yeah, it's not it's not the company's fault for going under. Oh. It's my fault because I didn't do the research and understand what I was investing in. I'm not going to blame somebody else. I'm going to spend the time and energy up front before I make a decision with my finances. Right. And let's say my finances aren't where I want them to be. You know, I'm not against somebody coming in and saying, hey, you know, I want to make 100000 Okay, that's fine. Let's make sure that the roots are right. But that's fine. Let's get you there. Let's, let's make that uh, accomplishable. But what are you doing to make it happen? Not boss isn't giving me this opportunity or, you know, my profession, for example, is one that's littered with people who I don't think make enough money, honestly, for the work that they do. But that doesn't mean you can't make money. It doesn't mean you can't serve people better. And if you serve people better, you'll typically make more money. You can charge more for your services. That doesn't mean there's not a way around it. You have to reflect on self and say, what am I doing and what am I not doing? How often Am I waiting for somebody else to tell me what I need to do financially? Or am I turning on David's podcast, Leo's podcast and saying, hey, man, I, there's a there's a topic on this thing. And that's the thing I've been thinking of. And I'm going to go listen to that right now. I think this is so important for people to realize that this is something that as a culture we struggle with. Uh, there has begun to be this idea that I need someone else to take care of me and that society must take care of me, that, that someone else should pay a little bit more in taxes or somebody else should give me something so I can have the same lifestyle that they have. And there's this concept that I need others to take care of me. Now, we, I do believe that it's great to have a social safety net and there is value in us taking care of each other and supporting each other. One of my entire parts of my purpose is to be generous and to serve others and to help bless and take care of others. But when you're looking at this autonomy perspective today, you've got to start with the mindset 
that what am I doing? What is my part in this? Am I tracking every expense? Am I working off of a budget? Am I doing the research when I go to invest? Am I investing in myself? We talked about the greatest investment you can ever make in our financial investment series. And the greatest investment is to invest in yourself through education and, and even grabbing a free podcast and absorbing content and learning in that area. And then take that and go and get a, an official college education or training and a special skill. What are you doing to improve and fix your financial situation? You may receive help from the outside and that's wonderful. But honestly, you're going to go 10 times further and 10 times faster if you look first at yourself and say, okay, what's my part in this? What do I need to do? How should I step up in order to walk out and achieve the things that I want to see in my life? Let me just add one more thing. I think the greatest thing that you can do for someone is not to give them something or do something for them, but to help them do it for themselves. To me, that's where this really applies is, you know, it's the whole teach them how to fish rather than give them a fish. And, you know, we face this all the time when we're coaching people. They sometimes have a victim's mentality and they think, I have all these bad breaks that have happened to me. It's not my fault. And maybe that's true to a degree, but life is hard. It'll knock you down. But if you don't have the ability to stand up and say, what is my part? And if I could just do my part, then the rest of it, it's not up to me. But if I'm consistently going at it, it's going to eventually turn out for the good. So I, I love this part because I think it is so important for us to understand that even though it's hard, our part is important and we can't depend on someone else to do it. And we should help each other, but only with the purpose of actually helping us get better, not to make us worse or more dependent. And I think that's proven across cultures. There was a meta-analysis study done. You can look across the globe and this is true. What they found is that the overall pattern in that study suggested that greater individualization and individualism, greater autonomy, independence led to greater well-being. And that's consistent across it doesn't matter how your system is run. It doesn't matter who's running it. If, if you are working on you and you're doing your part, you're going to find more well-being. It's proven. Yeah, that's really good, Chris. Well, gosh, the last 30 minutes have just flown by. Would you stick around for another episode? We'd love yeah, to yeah. continue this conversation. We have a couple more of the four pillars to go over. And really, I mean, this stuff is fantastic. So thank you so much for being here and for teaching us in this area. I'm just looking forward to the next episode as well. And I want to thank you for listening and being part of our podcast today. Thank you for continuing to listen and continuing to share our podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it. We'd love for you to go to our website, leosabo.com and stewardshippastors.com and just connect with us. If you have questions, if you have content that you want us to focus on, let us know what that is. That's what we want to do. You can also find out more about Chris and what he does at massimomotivation.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together... We, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. I would say the very first way you should go is, am I budgeting? Am I tracking my spending? Am I tracking my spending? Not as my spouse tracking her spending. It's not about what she's tracking. It's about what I'm tracking. Am I doing my part? Am I being autonomous?